I, I want to, as we begin this study, we're continuing in the study on spiritual warfare. And I want to clarify a few things from two weeks ago when I was speaking. Um, uh, Brother Gary went home and told Mary that I had preached that she needs to tell she needs to sell her coat so he can buy more guns. <laughs> That's not the message that I was trying to get across. Also, I wasn't trying to get across that I'm going to leave and go join Ukraine on the battlefield. The whole point as we began this series is the reality of the influence of good in our world and the influence of evil in our world, the spiritual realm, and that we can open up our lives to either one. And what we see manifesting in our world that is evil comes and originates from the spiritual realm. And so I want us to uh, continue to uh, look at that theme today in the book of Revelation. If you'll turn there to chapter 12, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. I want to begin with verse 7 and uh, go through verse 12. And war broke out in heaven. The title of my message today is, You Need to Declare War. Every Christian needs to declare war against the enemy. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Notice that. They did not prevail. The devil didn't prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? How do we overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. Jesus came to this world, was born, lived a sinless life. His blood was not tainted like ours. And his blood was shed to cover all of our sin. And it's that precious blood that gives us the victory today. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. First of all, Michael here, it is not a fictitious figure. Michael is an archangel of the Lord. He leads in battles for the, for the Lord. He is not one of the knights of the round table. And he never rowed a boat ashore. For those of you who are old enough to remember that song. 
Also, it talks about the dragon. The dragon here is speaking about the devil. Look at verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. That's a reference to Satan in the beginning as he deceived Adam and Eve. Called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. His desire, first of all, church, is to make you think that he does not exist. He wants to deceive the whole world into thinking that evil just comes from men. That it's just a natural part of this world. But it's not. Don't be deceived. You have an enemy and you need to declare war. Because he's coming against you. He wants to bind you up. He wants to hinder you. He wants to take hold in your life and hinder you from doing all that God's called you to do. He wants to come against your marriage. He wants to, to pull you apart and to, to tear apart your, mess, your marriage. He wants to come against your kids and your grandkids if you have them. He comes, he comes against us to deceive us and he comes against us to destroy and to kill in our lives. So church, the message there is, we need to declare war. You need to pray for your family, pray for your marriage, pray for your kids. I am here as a result of my mama's prayers, I guarantee you. Because she was on her knees as I grew up. She was on her knees interceding for me and she presented me to the Lord as a, as a baby and said, God, I want your plan for his life to be fulfilled. And she never stopped waging war. Still to this day, I call her. She'll tell me, I'm praying for you. I'm praying about the, the meetings that you're having, the services. I'm praying when you're preaching. And church, I'm thankful for a mama who entered into the Lord's army many, many, many years ago, and at 86 years old, oh, sorry, Mom, you're probably watching. At 86 years old, she is still declaring war against the enemy. She's not going to give up. She prays for her children and prays for her grandchildren, and she, she's going to see the enemy overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Look at verse 4. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now stars is used in many places in Scripture in speaking about the angels, the angelic creatures. And I believe that's what it's talking about here. It's talking about Satan and his deceiving and his rebellion spreading to the other angelic beings. And a third of the angels were deceived and followed him in rebellion against God. And God cast them all out. The sad thing is, he sent them here. Why is that significant? Because we live here. Last week we were talking about the fact that when Joshua overcame in, in uh, Israel and they were conquering, God in his sovereignty did not allow them to conquer every enemy in the land. You remember that? Why? And it says specifically that God's desire was for the next generation to learn how to war. And church, every, every generation 
needs to declare war against the enemy. Every generation needs to be uh, prayer warriors, intercessors for our children, for our marriages, for our families, for our job. Because we are in a battle. I want to look at a couple of other passages of Scripture to give us a better understanding. I want you to join me in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Satan had pride and arrogance and thought he could replace God. He wanted to be God. Verse 15 says, yet you shall be brought down to, the, to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Another verse I want us to look at is in Ezekiel chapter 28. In this one, Scripture's speaking to the king of Tyre, but you see who's really behind everything that the king's doing in this passage. Listen, listen to this. In Chapter 28 of Ezekiel, verse 12. Thus says the Lord God, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You think the king of Tyre was in Eden, the garden of God? No. It's a reference. It's, this passage is a veiled reference to the spiritual influence in the king of Tyre that he was responding because there was a force in his life that he allowed to take hold. It, it continues. Every precious stone was your covering. This, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Many Bible scholars believe because of that reference that Satan was originally the leader of worship in heaven. In verse 14, it says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. Now that's not talking about the king of Tyre. It's talking about the enemy. It's talking about the devil. It's talking about the one who was influencing him. He says, I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the fiery stones, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Do you see the veiled references throughout that, that passage? So it's, it's saying that there was somebody that was influencing the king of Tyre. 
And that's what we see today when we have, we have the possibility of surrendering to the Lord and opening our lives and saying, God, work in me. Lord, I surrender my life to you. You created me. You are my King and my Savior and my Lord. So God, I want you to guide and direct. I want your influence in my life in every area. But there are other people that are deceived, they may not even realize it, but they are actually allowing the influence of the enemy to take hold in their lives and they're responding the way that the enemy would have them to respond. And that's the world we live in. There is a cosmic battle that's taking place between good and evil on this earth. There's a battle between God and Satan in this earth. But church, you don't need to worry because Satan is a created being and we know from the scriptures he is ultimately going to be dealt with by God completely and totally. But for right now, God is allowing him to to still roam in this world and to try to deceive because God wants you to learn how to battle. He wants you to learn how to teach the next generation to battle. And to, to, to take back what the enemy has stolen in the name of Jesus. God does that for us. Amen? Back in our original text in Revelation, verse 10 of chapter 12, there's another verse, part of the verse I want us to look at. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame him. Church, we are operating in this battle from a standpoint of the victory has already been won at the cross of Jesus. Amen? But last week I talked about it. We are to be occupying troops. When when we send our troops into another country to occupy it, they're there to reinforce the victory that's been won, right? And that's what God calls us to do. That's why we need to declare war. We're going to occupy until Jesus returns. And part of that occupying is taking a stance against the enemy and saying, devil, you're not going to have my family. You're not going to have my friends. You're not going to have my community because I am going to intercede. And I, it doesn't matter that what the enemy comes against us with. He, he tries to, to deceive people and people are hurt and wounded. And so they're, they, they're trying to numb themselves and they, 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 get involved in all kinds of different things, trying to help that hurt. That's why so many, there's over, uh, uh, over 39,000 people in Alaska today that are in bondage to alcohol or drugs. That's a lot of people. The enemy is real. But I, lo- I love the fact that Tom, in his testimony shared that God set him free from bondage he had been battling for years. That's the heart of God. 
Amen? That's what God wants to do in our lives. Verse 11 makes a statement. It says, they did not love their lives to the death. In the original encounter with Satan, what took place? Eve was deceived. Adam appears to have been right next to her, and he didn't stop her. He failed, but he wasn't deceived. He willingly partook in sin. Because of that, death entered this world. And bar Jesus coming back in the rapture, and I'm ready anytime, come on, Lord. But until he comes back, every one of us, we're facing death. But church, I want you to understand, death does not have the victory over a Christian. We sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. Because our hope is in Jesus. I've been in my family in in different funerals, and many of them I was preaching. And they were difficult funerals. But the one thing that got me through was knowing without a doubt that they knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that one day I will be reunited with them in glory. We'll be gathered around the throne of God together. So church, we battled that death here, but it's not going to win the victory over us. Church, we need to grow in our understanding of spiritual warfare. God wants us to grow. He wants us to learn. And I'm not saying there's two ways that that we have a tendency when we talk about spiritual warfare to get off track. And one one of the ways we get off track is thinking, oh, there's really nothing to that. There's nothing to that. The second way that we get off track is when we start thinking that there's a devil around every bush. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about. People, you've met people like that, and I'm not saying they're, I'm talking about they're going overboard. They're not balanced. I mean, if the light bulb goes out, they want to blame the devil. And so we need to be balanced. We need to understand that we're not always in that battle, but we're always standing and we're ready for the battle. Are you with me? The devil says, and Scripture says about the devil and Daniel that he's going to wear out the saints in the last days. So we need to battle against becoming weary, which I had to do this morning after that snow machine ride. I rolled over and said, Melinda, I don't want to go. My back hurts. I'm aching. We battle against weariness because God's got a plan. We're going to go forward. We're going to see people set free. We're going to see them saved and healed and delivered until Jesus returns. We're called to battle. So church, declare war. Declare war. There's a verse that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 10, verse 10 about the enemy he said the thief does not come except to steal kill and destroy that's his plan it hasn't changed 
He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you if possible. He wants to destroy you in any way he can. He wants to hinder you. Now the devil knows, church, that he can't drag you to hell with him. But he wants to heap as much hell on you while you're here as he possibly can. But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Are you with me? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Church, we have been given everything we need to be that occupying force and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet, to live in a life of worship and praise to God and to not be ashamed of him and to realize that there is an enemy, but he's under our feet. In Jesus' name. Church, when you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to ask you this. Have you ever had a spat with your spouse? Some people were raising their hand. Let me tell you what you, what you do. You come with your spouse and you realize that they're not the enemy. And you join forces and you declare war against the devil who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? So instead of arguing about something, you stop and you say, this is silly that we're arguing about this and we're not going to play into the devil's plans so what do you do? You take your spouse's hand and you say, let's come together in agreement against the enemy and declare war. Amen? When, you're, when your children are, are maybe teenagers and, and they're starting to have that influence about uh, peer pressure to drink and to party, to try drugs and all those things, what do you do? You come together in agreement as parents and if you're, if you're a single parent, you come together with a grandparent or a friend or someone else who's willing to agree with you, and you do war, you war, wage war against the enemy. Amen? I'm just going to give you an example right quick, okay? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for Melinda. She is such a tremendous blessing in my life. I love her and thank you for her. And Lord, this, this little spat that we've had, we know that's not... From you, Lord, we know it's the enemy trying to sow seeds to, to bring separation and hurt. And Lord, we join together and we rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Lord, we command him to take his hands off of what belongs to God. And Lord, we lift up our children. And Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our kids and over our grandkids. Lord, we declare war against him. He is not going to have our family. He's not going to have one of our children, one of our descendants. Lord, we claim every descendant until you return, Lord, for the kingdom of God. Yes. Do you get the hint? One of the things that, that many couples struggle with is praying with one another. They're kind of embarrassed or for whatever reason. Church, the devil doesn't want you agreeing in prayer. He doesn't. Because Scripture tells us when two agree is touching anything on earth, whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, 
it shall be done. It's the power of agreeing prayer. So church, I want you to declare war and begin to intercede. Now there, another mistake we make is that uh, we blame everything on the devil. Are you ready? Does anybody remember Flip Wilson? This is for the younger generation because he was a comedian in the 70s and most of you younger people have no idea who he is. He was a funny comedian, but this is just a short little excerpt out of about 20 seconds out of a skit that he did. So this will get the point across. She came in the house, she had the box, Rep saw it. Rep said, what, another dress? This is ridiculous. Three dresses in a week, another dress? And she tells him, I didn't want to buy this dress. <laughs> the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> she came in the house, she had... <laughs> now, how many of you have ever fallen into that trap? <laughs> Did you hear it? He said, he said it was a reverend and his wife bought three dresses in one week and when he confronted her she said I didn't want to buy that dress the devil made me do it <laughs> and we laugh at that but so many people give up they throw up their hands and they think well that's just the way life is I, I've, I've encountered so many Christians that that just they weren't battling at all and they were just kind of letting the enemy take control and hinder them and they, they, were, they were just not being used for God's plan for their life and so they were hindered and they were just saying, well, the devil made me do it. I, God knows I'm just human. I'm just flesh. But it's not always the devil, church. Our flesh gets us in plenty of trouble. Our, our desires in the flesh. Amen? But don't blame it on the devil. You recognize the temptation and you join together with someone who holds you accountable and you begin to take it to the enemy and say, I'm not going to fall for this trap anymore. One of the, one of the things that many times men struggle with, and, and, and it's uh, lust. Women can struggle with that too. And we don't like to talk about that in church. We like to just pretend it's not there. That's one thing I love about men's camp is we get real and we deal with anything and everything. But men, listen to this. God can set you free. And one of the ways after I pray with men for freedom in that area, I pray and then I say, I say guys, take the battle to the enemy. If, he see, if, he, if the enemy draws your attention to su some beautiful young lady, don't let lust take hold. Don't start allowing those thoughts from the enemy to come. You take the battle to the enemy. What do you do? 
You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for that young lady right there. I pray if she doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that you would touch her heart. She would surrender her heart and life to you. And Lord, if she's not married, I pray that you would bring a godly Christian man to into her life, that they would live for you and be a powerhouse couple for you. You see what I'm talking about? You take the battle to the enemy and you don't allow him to, to bombard your thoughts. You take every thought captive and make it subject to Jesus. Amen? That can, and that can work for anything that the devil's trying to deceive you with. You take those thoughts captive and you turn it and you declare war against what he's doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, there's something I want to point out. We talked about Joshua last, or the week before last. And when we look at those Old Testament experiences, a lot of times we want to separate, well, that's just the Old Testament. That doesn't have anything to really do with me today. Yes, it does. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the age have come. Did you hear that? Joshua conquering is a picture of what God wants us to do today. And he hasn't totally gotten away with the done away with all the, the demons that followed the devil and the devil himself, but it's coming one day. But until then, we're going to occupy in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to go forward and we're going to see battles won for the kingdom of God. There's one more passage and we're going to close. Look at Mark chapter 5 with me. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, and we could do a whole message or series of messages on this passage, but I just want to point out just a few things, and then we're going to close. In chapter 5 of Mark, verse 1, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Notice this man, we're told in another gospel of this same, this same story, that he was a city dweller. He was probably educated, he probably had a home, he probably might have even had a family. The enemy wants to take everything he can from you. Now he's alone among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even the chains. He had demonic strength. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. There was still enough of this man in his own humanity, his own ability, even though he was demonized and oppressed by the enemy, there was still enough of him there to understand there's freedom at the feet of Jesus. Amen? 
I want to be that church where people come knowing no matter what has a hold in their life that Jesus is the answer, that he will set them free. Amen? And guess what? When those people come in with hurts and wounds and and addictions and all those things, you're going to see what, what I like to call a dirty church in the sense of don't be surprised if you see some drugs on the altar. Don't be surprised if you see other things that are left in the parking lot or on the altar. And don't ever get upset about it because Jesus is setting people free. Amen. Look at verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. They're not physical chains. They can manifest into the physical realm though. But he's talking about the enemy taking those chains in your life. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Church, we need to declare war and let people see Jesus in us. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The enemy knows who God is. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to them, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. We see later in in verse 13 there were 2,000 demons that were oppressing him. Also, he begged, begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, that's an interesting phrase. And I want you to think about that for just a second. There are places in this world that have strong demonic authorities, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. You can go to different places in the world and you can sense that darkness, and that it has a place that is ruling there. And I believe that's what this is talking about. It's talking about demonic presence in that area because they had compromised the people, the Jewish people that lived in in this area had compromised and they weren't living for God. We know that by the swine because Jews were not have anything to do with the swine. Let's go on and read verse 10. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. They ran, they And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now people have asked, why would God allow the swine to die? I think there's two reasons. He wanted to demonstrate to us what the devil desires to do in our lives. And secondly, 
God wants us to see that there's freedom in Him, that He cares more for you than He does for a herd of swine. God wants you to be in freedom, just like this man. And He wants you to wage war to see others in freedom. Some of you may be here today, and I want to ask the worship team to come. Some of you may be here today, and you're you're godly family, and you raised your kids right, but they're prodigals. Some of your grown children aren't living for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, never give up waging war on their behalf because God loves the prodigals. Amen? Every Sunday night we have prayer. What are we doing? Is it just to fill up a, a, a service time? Is, do we focus on prayer just so pastor won't have to preach another message? No, it's because we are a church that's declaring war against the enemy. And we come with various things that God's laid on our heart and we lift up those needs to the Lord. And so I want to challenge you, church, today. Declare war and don't allow the enemy to take any ground. Amen? I want you to stand with me, if you will. One of the ways that we do battle and wage war is through prayer. Another way that we wage war is through worship and through praise. Another way we wage war is being obedient to the Lord and living a life that says to the world, there is a God. And look what He's done in my life and He'll do the same for you. And I want to ask you this morning as we come to a close of the service, is there anyone that God's laying on your heart that you need to wage war for? That you need to stand in the gap for? Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe they've just gone through something that's just a tr- very traumatic and heartbreaking. Maybe you know a a friend or a family member that's struggling with an addiction of some kind. Or maybe it's one of your children who's under the influence of peers and they're pressuring them in the wrong way. But every one of us, if we'll listen to the Lord, He'll guide you and direct you today to someone that we need to battle for. Someone who's sick. Someone who's given up because the doctors have said there's no hope, there's nothing else we can do. Do we just throw our hands up? Do we say, oh, well, if the doctor said that, that it's just going to happen. I thank God for doctors. I thank God for nurses. But one thing I have learned is that there is a doctor named Jesus we have a Lord that says I am the Lord that healeth thee and his word says by his stripes we were healed as Christians we don't ever give up 
It wasn't that many years ago when I flew to Texas and my, my dad was unconscious and he was, he was dying. They had him on hospice. But the way I prayed, I said, Lord, I still know that you're a miracle-working Savior and Lord. And Lord, I ask you for a miracle touch from heaven for him. And I sat by his bedside all night. I said, Lord, I believe you can raise him up, and that's the way you've told me to pray, and I'm going to continue to pray. But I also know that your word says that it's far better to go to be with Jesus. Did you hear that? We sorrow for ourselves, but our loved ones that know him, they're not sorry. They're in the presence of their Creator and their Savior and their Lord. There's no more pain, no more heartache. They're reunited with other loved ones that have gone on before. The church don't ever give up until Jesus says, now's the time and they go to be with Him. Amen. I want to ask our prayer team to come. I want to ask our team to come to the front and some to the back. And if you want them to agree with you this morning and and you want to intercede and stand in the gap and wage war for someone, then I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to come and pray with them today. And one other thing, if you're here today and you don't know where you stand with the Lord, you've never made a, a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come and find one of the team and pray for them today. Pray with them today. They want to lead you to Jesus and just pray with you in agreement that your heart will be open to Him, that He'll come into your life and transform you. And there's no greater miracle in this world than salvation in Jesus Christ. Will you come? Mitch is going to lead us in a song, and if you don't have anything you want to come out and pray about today, then just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to praise Him today. Mitch, go ahead. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.